Hey, Major, it's good to hear from you again. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Today, we're going to talk about fraud and pharmacists. This is the Gavel and Pestle podcast. My name is Major, and this is Darshan. You're listening to the Gavel and Pestle podcast with Darshan Kulkarni. The Gavel and Pestle podcast, where the law of the land intersects with the business of pharmacy. Hey, this is Darshan. Just before uh, you listen to the podcast, make sure you remember, this is not legal advice. This is also not medical advice, and um, it's not construction advice, so don't take construction advice from me. Also, this does not create an attorney-client relationship, so don't be saying that I just gave you legal advice again. Talk to a lawyer who knows you, that can give you advice that's right for you. Thanks again. Keep listening. We'll talk soon. Hey, Major. It's been a long time. So today, (laughs) we're going to be talking about pharmacists and when we do wrong and is is this a big deal is it the equivalent of you know what a pill here and there do we worry about them well, what, what are you what are you talking and, about like fraud and pharmacists now we, we we defend pharmacists on the show on the podcast quite a bit and that for for legitimate for legitimacy the, the, the thing is we're talking about fraud and pharmacists so pharmacists can can be involved in fraud How, how's that how does that work? So, so here's the funny thing. Um, today's news or yesterday's news was a pharmacist in Germany was involved in diluting chemotherapy for patients over um, for very expensive patients, and uh, the fact was that patients potentially died because of this dilution, uh, and and and. If that if that same situation ha- had happened in the U.S., that that pharmacist would very much be convicted of fraud, fraud by the government, and fraud to patients. So those would be things we're thinking about. Is that the only way? No. The the, the dilution, which uh, obviously would have hurt patients, for what? So that he could have a nicer house. That's not what he went to pharmacy school for. Um, I mean, it's nice if he has a nice house. I have no problem with his nice house. But it shouldn't ever happen at the price of his patients. Just to clarify, so fraud are, fraud is defined, yeah. and I'm just this is just strict Google yeah. definition, right? Wrongful or criminal deception intended to result in financial or personal gain. So in that situation, he was he wasn't uh, the the most quality of an individual. <laughs> there you go, exactly gain. right, and and that's the problem. Here's the other thing: most pharmacists think that we are operating. Um, Effectively under the radar, we also sort of think that uh, we're beyond reproach. I mean, for the longest time, pharmacists were the, the most trusted profession. In recent times, nurses have taken over. Uh, clergy have come close. But pharmacists um, are, are tend to be amongst the highest trusted professions. And that's been dropping. And that's a concern. We as pharmacists need to look back and figure out what's happening. Um, the next thing that we need to look at is, is this a common enough occurrence? So does it happen mm-hmm. every day? Um, or are these probably. guys just outliers that we're hearing hearing about? Yeah, exactly. These people obviously are outliers. It's not like every second pharmacist you see is <laughs> cheating and lying. Um, it, but, but it's happening enough that pharmacists should be aware and pharmacists should be looking out. So what does that really look like? I mean... Um, in the last month, there have been at least three separate cases, if not more, of pharmacists being charged with uh, 
with being involved in fraud. And that's obviously a massive issue. I and mean, we'll, we'll put the links in the, um, in the article in the, in the, with the podcast. And that will be useful for you as you continue. Um, and you can read and, and find the links. Um, but that, that's something to consider. Now, are the fines for fraud such a big deal? Uh, in one of the cases, the, the pharmacist is facing uh, 20 years in prison on 27 counts and another 10 years for an, another one of the counts. And fines could be in excess of $1.5 million. So obviously, it's going to be a big issue. People are going to be worried. Lives are going to be altered. Lives have probably all already been altered. Right. We, we've established it's that it's, that it's bad and that there are severe penalties. But what... Are, are there any commonalities between these issue or between these cases, between these situations where a pharmacist, uh, you know, is, is is fraudulent? So that's a great question. So what I did was I did a quick search, and I was I'm aware I'm aware of this list. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the, these are the top ten causes that the office Office of Inspector General puts out for healthcare provider healthcare fraud. Wow. And these are the top 10. I don't know if they these actually are have a top 10 list. That's crazy. Okay. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Number one, billing for services not rendered. Essentially, you're saying that someone came in, you gave them services. So like, let's say you're doing MTM, uh, medication therapy management, and you never actually did it, but you billed the government anyways. Billing for a non-covered service as a covered service. And what that means is you're going to a uh Going to a patient uh, and a patient who knows that their medication isn't covered, you bill it as something else just so the patient doesn't have to bear the cost, but the government does. Then there's misrepresenting dates of service. You might think of that as simply uh, putting on the wrong date, but that could also be you showing a consistent practice of changing dates so that something is covered. Misrepresenting locations of service. So if you own multiple pharmacies, you give it from one location and not at the other, the government is looking. Misrepresenting provider of service. So if there are multiple people involved, so let's say you're a pharmacy that has, let's say, an uh, an NP who comes through, the NP forgets to bill, so you just bill it through the pharmacy, and then you just give the, the NP some money, that would be fraudulent as well. Waiving of deductibles and copayments. Pharmacists typically think of this as helping the patient. You want the patient to get the medication. You know what? If I don't get an extra 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 30 bucks, that's fine. That actually would be considered to be fraudulent. And and pharmacists would face potential jail time with that. Um, Waiving of deductibles and our copayments, we just discussed that. Mm -hmm. Incorrect reporting or diagnosis of procedures. So uh, unbundling of services. So it's, it's taking... Uh, again, if you're doing medication therapy management, um, you, you sort of unbundling things and, um, and fraudulently billing for one and not the other, etc. Overutilization of services. So billing excessively when that is not necessary, and that would be problematic. Corruption. That's kickbacks and bribery. And this is actually a pretty big one because you keep seeing this happening over and over and over again, where um, you essentially go to a... Uh, a doctor and you go, you know what, I will give you, for every 15 prescriptions you send to me, I'll make sure you get uh, $100 back. Right. Um, you as the doctor are happy, the patient gets their medication, I'm happy, so this is all a good thing. And then there's the false or unnecessary issuance of prescription drugs. So 
you tell the doctor, you know what, wink, wink, nod, nod, let's make sure all these patients get these medications. Um, you get a nice kickback from the, pharma uh, from the pharmaceutical company, you might get a nice little kickback from the doctor, patients are happy, but that may also be problematic. So the question then becomes, go ahead, Major. So we've established that it's possible that pharmacists can and do commit fraud. Penalties are very substantial and the top 10 causes, which we just went through, but why? What circumstances can push a pharmacist to those extremes? That, and we're not talking about bad apples. We're not talking about malintent. We're talking specifically about the normal, uh, you know, the, the common pharmacist that just wants to get by and to have the doors open the next day. Right. So I think the two most common mistakes I see and, and uh, in terms of just uh, fraudulent cases that keep coming up. Uh, and by the way, Darshan, you're not you're not talking about this from an outsider's perspective, are you? You're actually a pharmacist. I'm a pharmacist and I'm an attorney and mm -hmm. I deal and help pharmacists all the time. Um, and that's what I do. So so I'm always glad to talk to people. I'm always glad to help people. Um, and if people need help, I'm happy to to provide that for them. And um, I'm sorry, I totally but, interrupted you. You were going through the circumstances <laughs> that push the pharmacist to the extreme. All of good. Fraud. Uh, the two big pieces that uh, are making pharmacists show up in the spotlight hmm. are the following. Number one, opioids. We all know that the government has task forces. We all know that the government is looking closely. We all know that the government is, is monitoring anyone who's dealing with opioids. And pharmacists are the last point before opioids are given out. If that's true, since that's true, um, when and there's an inappropriate amount of opioids being given out by a pharmacist, you know that the government's looking. You, and, and if you are giving an inappropriate patient medications that they do not need, that is very much on the top 10 list. It's a false or unnecessary issuance of a prescription drug. And pharmacists are being caught up in that. The second one, um, and that's almost as equally common, is the fact that pharmacists are using marketers to help them gain business. And by itself, that is totally okay. But marketers are trying to build relationships and sometimes they go overboard because they don't know what they don't know. All they know is they're trying to build a relationship. And when they go to build that relationship, they sometimes structure it so that it falls within the anti-kickback law, it falls within the False Claims Act, it may fall within the Stark Law, and you've got to be careful. You've got to make sure that there are no issues like co-ownership, kickbacks being given, and if they are, you may very well be, find yourself being exposed to criminal and civil liabilities. So keep an eye out. Think about that as you continue. Sounds like, sounds like a great idea. So my name is Major. This is Darshan. We are the hosts of the uh, Gavel and Pestle podcast on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, Darshan, do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, I think this is great, and I'm excited. We've we got to do another one of these pretty soon. Uh, stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Darshan. Thanks for listening in. I really want to talk to you. Reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at, at FDA Lawyers. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Darshan Kukarni. And if you want to find me any other way, well, start with Twitter, but you can always email me as well, Darshan at conformlaw.com. Thanks for listening in. I'm really excited to hear from you.